Our scripture reading this morning, excuse me, is from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Well, Merry Christmas. It is good to be with you here this morning. My name is Anthony Gamage. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life, where we exist to know Jesus and make him known. Uh, and it is good uh, to be together, to, to gather here on Christmas Day. I think I read somewhere that this won't happen again for another 11 years. So, hey, a very unique moment and a, a welcome to those of you who are also watching online. I know many are watching as we're scattered uh, all over the place here this morning. So it is good to be together today to worship uh, this Savior. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open in them to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 54 and 55. If you do not have a Bible with you, it's printed on the inside of your bulletin. So I would invite you to uh, open that and follow along in whatever way you are able. Uh, But as you turn there and as we get going, uh, we were sitting around uh, the dinner table here this week and uh, one of my kids said, hey, what's your favorite Christmas or what's your favorite Christmas memory and I'll admit, uh, as I, you know, add the numbers of Christmases that I've seen, uh, I begin to kind of lose some of them and go, oh, that's the exact best Christmas I ever had. But, but one of the memories that stand out to me is when I was either six or seven years old, and I call this my G.I. Joe Christmas. Uh, I don't know if any of you can remember the G.I. Joe world, but um, there were all these gifts lined up, and so I uh, went and I began to open, and you know, my, uh, there was a number, right, order that I had to open my gifts in, uh, and so I opened the first one, and there's Gung Ho, right, Gung Ho was one of the, the, the G.I. Joes, and I opened him, and I think I got um, like Flint and, you know, Cobra Commander and some other uh, of the figures, and so I was getting excited, uh, and then I opened the next one, and it was the Sky Striker, which is the airplane, the fighter jet, And so, like, my heart is beginning to swell, and it's beginning to swell because I know that there's uh, a progression to these gifts. And I, I, most of us probably proceed with gift opening in this way if we have multiple gifts, right? You start with the the smallest, and it works its way up, right? And so, I'm sitting there, I'm opening this fighter jet, and I'm thinking, there is no way that there is a bigger present than this one. I mean, my little six-year-old heart was about ready to explode. But then, you turn the corner... And there it was, in all seven feet of its glory, the USS flagship. It was the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. This thing was unbelievable. I have pictures of me taking a nap on the flight deck of this thing. It it was just like one of the best Christmas presents and Christmases of all time when I received this. So why do I share that? Well, uh, we're, we're entering into, actually, we're, we're still in the story of Mary and her song that she sings 
uh, just before the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and I think what we're doing is, is we're stepping in the middle of, of kind of one of those anticipatory progressions, right? Uh, where Mary's going to tell us by the end, uh, there have been gifts that have come before now, and, and she is sitting here experiencing, carrying the God of the universe going. This is a fulfillment of a promise that is going to one day be fulfilled, right? That aircraft carrier moment uh, that she's still looking in faith at, but she's overwhelmed to the point where she breaks out in song. Now, I know there's a lot of visitors here today, and so let me just catch you up to where we've been here the last couple of weeks. We took a few weeks, and really, we sat in the songs of of two women, one Elizabeth and two, uh, the other is Mary, the mother of Jesus, when uh, they both found out that they were expecting, right? And Mary obviously was carrying the God of the universe. And so Elizabeth breaks in the song, and we spent a week in looking at that. And then last week, we uh, really spent some time looking at uh, the first two-thirds of Mary's song. And so today, we're just going to take a few moments. This will be an abbreviated sermon here today, uh, where we're going to look at the last two verses uh, of, of Mary's song. And so uh, let me um, sum it up like this. And in your bulletin, you'll just see basically a phrase. Here's essentially how Mary is going to end her song. She's going to tell us that God acts for His people when we don't deserve it, because he keeps his promises. God acts for his people when we don't deserve it because he keeps his promises. And we're just going to take that phrase by phrase uh, as we walk through the text here this morning. Before we do, can, can I pray for us as we get going? Well, Lord, I appreciated what Justin prayed because there is uh, this reality where if we're not careful, uh, the wonder of Christmas uh, will um, elude us, Lord. Um, yeah, uh, there's just this reality that, that we can become less and less overwhelmed with what it means that, that God put on flesh to come and live uh, among his people. And so, uh, Lord, would you capture our hearts with that anew today? Uh, Father, in many ways, uh, gathering together for worship on Christmas morning makes the most sense, even though it might not happen for another 11 years. And so, uh, would you be with us? Would you be with our friends who aren't able to gather together here this morning. I pray uh, that you would again capture our hearts with awe of you. And Holy Spirit, would you guide and protect my words as I preach. Uh, Father, help me to not say anything that brings undue offense apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. And so, happy birthday, Jesus. Uh, We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so here's the first part that we're going to look at. Verse 54, God acts for his people. Uh, she begins to conclude this song by saying, He has helped His servant Israel. And so the first thing that, that Mary is, is trying to tell us here is uh, even though she has not seen Jesus born yet, go to the cross yet, rise from the dead yet, she believes that God has reached down into history and acted on behalf of His people. Now I think about this and I go, huh, it's interesting that she's like, this is, you know, God is currently acting. You don't know, I think she's pretty early in her pregnancy, but, but I started thinking this week, I'm like, what, you know, where, where might we see someone act where we don't see its immediate impact, but we know that someone is doing something on our behalf? Uh, I've had friends who have had different uh, heart uh, issues, and, and they've had doctors tell them, hey, uh, this is something, some sort of procedure that you're going to need here in about 10 to 15 years. And so there was this really long time of waiting, uh, but imagine in that moment, they're thinking, there's no way I'll be able to afford this, I have little means, and who knows if uh, certain things are going to be there from a, 
um, a governmental standpoint to cover some of these bills. And so they're really worried. And imagine if somebody came and said, hey, I'm putting 100000 200000 however much this procedure would cost, in an account for you to use in just that moment, right? That person would be overwhelmed, even though they're not seeing the immediate benefit of that yet, because they would believe that that person just acted on their behalf, even though they wouldn't realize that for some time to come. I imagine that's some aspect of how uh, Mary is feeling here, right? In a way, there is this uh, deposit where God has promised to fulfill his promises in a day to come. Daryl Bach says this, he says, What we see here in Mary's response is a picture of a woman confident that God will care for the remnant of his nation. She, like them, will see the Lord's powerful hand move on their behalf. And so let me just stop and say, have you ever seen Christmas and and what we saw with Mary as this picture of God uh, kind of making a deposit on a promise that is to one day come, where he will act, he is acting, and he will act on behalf of his people. Now again, as Justin prayed, there is this reality that that Christmas is hard. You know, some of us are, are walking into this time here today and go, yeah, where's God really acting on my behalf? And the reality, friends, is, is that's a very real place to be. Uh, it was probably a little over a year ago, we as a church walked through the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a minor prophet in the Old Testament. He's wrestling with God deeply, saying, look at the wars, look at the estate of your people. We literally have nothing left. Where are you? And so there's this uh, battle between him and God. And, and one of my favorite verses is actually how Habakkuk ends that book of the Bible. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom or the uh, fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. You know, there is this reality, friends, that that there will be seasons where, like Habakkuk, we're left to a place going, I, there's, I can't scrape anything together that's good, but I pray that, that we can actually remember back to the promise that we have in Christmas where God sent his son to be our salvation, where we go, even if there's no food, there's no animals in the stall, we have nothing left, I can still take joy in my salvation. And so that's just one thought as, as we uh, walk through this Christmas and as you wrestle through maybe a dark night of the soul, maybe uh, I'm just going to pray for you that the Lord would help you to see if there's nothing else you feel is left, that you would be able to still rejoice this Christmas in this uh, deposit of a promise of a salvation that will one day come. Here's the second thought. God acts for his people when we don't deserve it. Did you read that in verse 54? The second part It says, in remembrance of his mercy. So it's saying God acted on behalf of his people, uh, not because of what his people have done, but because he's remembering his own character, his mercy. When we see God's mercy mentioned in Scripture, if you were an Israelite, if you were Mary, uh, here's where your mind would go back to. Let's see if it shows up. Can you advance this to the Exodus passage? There we go. It says this. It says, the Lord passed before Moses, this is before Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. When we see the word mercy pretty much anywhere in Scripture, again, an Israelite would go, oh, this was back in Exodus 34, if there were chapter numbers back then, which there are not like there are today. But 
do you know why this is significant to God's people? It's because Exodus 34 comes after Exodus 32. And do you know what happened in Exodus 32? Moses, right, they're, they're there in the valley, and he goes up to the top of Mount Sinai and meets with God. He sets a post around the mountain that says, don't let anybody even touch the mountain because the holiness of God is going to be there, and if you touch the mountain, you'll die. And that's when he hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. You know, God's people got squirrely. Even, even in the face, you know, sometimes we, we give in to this thought of, you know, if I was just an Israelite and I would have seen the pillar of fire and stuff, I'd have obeyed God. Yeah, it's so much easier for them to obey God than for me to obey God, right? That's not true. <laughs> Case in point, Exodus 32, don't go up there. They see the rumbling at the top of the mountain. They become fearful. And do you know what they do? Instead of worshiping and going, wow, what a great God that's up there meeting with Moses, they go, uh, this God is uncontrollable. I'm terrified. Everybody hand over your jewelry. Let's melt it down and make a God we can control in the form of a golden calf. Friends, our hearts are prone to worship anything but God, no matter how much we see his might or his mercy or his grace. And it's in the context of that where God had the choice to wipe his people out that we actually read that verse where he is slow to anger. He is abounding in mercy. God is a merciful God because that's who he is, not because we deserve his mercy or grace at all. That's what Mary is pointing us to when he says, in remembrance of his mercy, he has given us this child. Part of, I think, what Mary is saying is we don't deserve Christmas, right? We don't deserve the gospel. Uh, there were some friends uh, that I knew who, uh, they, they had a lot of resources, and I remember they had, they had two kids, and I went over to their house one day, and I walk into this room, and literally, I mean, the room seemed huge, and it was, it was literal wall-to-wall presence with an aisle down the middle, and one child's presence are on that side of the room, and the other child's presence was on the other. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? It, it, was a, it, was, it was a wonderful thing that these parents wanted to shower their children with gifts, but when you later talked to the parents, it's like, well, how was Christmas? And you're thinking to yourself, surely this was like a mind-blowing Christmas for these children, right? I mean, it was a room full of gifts. You know what the parents' response were? It was awful. It was awful? How is that even possible? And they're like, when they got to the end, they were mad, they wanted more, they were upset that they didn't get the one gift that they really wanted, and, and, and they were just like, it was just kind of a miserable Christmas. Can you imagine? Do you know what happened in that moment, I think, as, as you wrestle through what was going on in those children's hearts? They think they deserved that stuff. They, they didn't view it as gifts. They viewed it as something that they earned or because they're just pretty awesome folks that they should have a room full of stuff all the time just waiting to be opened. And, and friends, sometimes I think we lose the, uh, the glory of Christmas and the beauty of the gospel God putting on flesh to suffer and die and rise again from our behalf so we just receive it by faith. Sometimes we look at that and say, yeah, I just kind of deserve that. You know, I, I should be with you, God, for all of eternity. You would value greatly for my personality in heaven, right? <laughs> but isn't that kind of how we feel? Unless we, do, we know that we are broken, wretched rebels against God, worshiping anything that moves or doesn't move, like a golden calf. Unless we believe that we deserve mercy, Christmas, meh, Easter, whatever, grace, who cares? The gospel, no big deal. I deserve more. 
Friends, maybe Christmas has lost its luster for us because uh, we, we don't really think we need mercy. We don't look at it as a gift. We look at it as something we've earned or deserved. And, and friends, that's just so contrary to what we read in Scripture and why Mary has been so deeply impacted by God's mercy that he has shown to her and to his people for all time. Here's the third point. Well, let me give you the first two. God acts for his people when we don't deserve it. And then finally, because he keeps his promises. Verse 55, it says, As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. You know, the reason he is merciful to us is because he's saying, I'm keeping the promises I've been telling you year after year after year. All right, real quick, walk through the Old Testament. Ready? Ready? We're going to go fast. Here we go. The clicker isn't working. There we go. Genesis 3.15. This is the fall, right? And I read this all the time, but it's just important to know when the promises began here. God says to the snake, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So he's saying, I'm not giving up on creation. I'm already giving you a promise that I'm going to fulfill. Next slide. Genesis 12, 3. So when she says to Abraham and our fathers, this is the promise that God makes to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Next one. It says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring and throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So God says, hey, I'm going to start working this promise out by making myself a people and I'm going to make you a blessing, right, to the rest of the world. Fast forward, 2 Samuel 7, right? Some generations have passed. There's kings that have been raised up. And he makes this promise to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish your throne of his kingdom forever. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Friends, Mary is going back to her Bible. And she's saying, He promised a Redeemer. He promised to make His people a blessing. He promised to give us a King that will reign forever. And here He is. Here He is. Now there's another promise that she uh, didn't have the opportunity to read, but it's this here in Revelation 21. This is the end of time. It says, He who has been seated on the throne, right? This is back to that promise of king. Said, Behold, I am making all things new. This is Jesus talking. And he, also, and he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Friends, I love that last line. Write it down. I'm still keeping my promises. They're trustworthy and they're true. If God doesn't keep his word, there is no reason we should be meeting here today. But if he does, then his promise to redeem all things, offer grace to us to have a king that reigns and is actually a blessing to the rest of the world, is something that we can hold on to in hope. Here's one more verse I want you to see. Paul says this, All the promises of God find their yes in him, talking about Jesus. Mary is realizing that here at the end of the song. All of those promises are kept through him. Any of the promises that are to come are kept through Jesus Christ. Here's a graphic. Maybe a visual will help you. Maybe that hurts your head. But, but it says, 
All the promises of God find their yes in Him. There's three open gifts that, that Mary is realizing are coming true. And for us and for her, there's still a hope of an unopened gift of all things being made new. But friends, because Jesus keeps His promises, that is our hope of Christmas. That's the aircraft carrier, right? It's the thing that we are waiting on and hoping in. Dale Ralph Davis says, Mary's praise rested upon the foundation of God's sure an indefectible word. She has hope because God is not a liar. Martin Luther, I'll give you kind of a funny quote from Martin Luther. Luther Luther had a way about him. Here's what he said. If God told me to eat dung, I would do it knowing that it would be good for me, right? That's one way in believing God's promises. I wouldn't advise that, right? Maybe maybe here's another one, and this is a a real-life example from a friend Uh, of many who is now with the Lord, Sue Lutz. Uh, She uh, said this. She said, If I knew what God knows, I would want exactly what I have today. If I knew what God knows, I would want exactly what I have today. Those are the words of a person who believes in the promises and the hope of God. Daryl Bach says, God's loyal love and truthfulness of his character makes such assurance and hope possible. Friends, do you know why we're burned out on anxiety, that we run to everything we could possibly get addicted to, work, substances, uh, entertainment, whatever that may be? We're looking for the answers to God's promises everywhere but in God. And what God is saying is, because of Christmas, because of being reminded that He is a promise keeper, we can hope in that, not run ourselves ragged looking everywhere possible for something that will not satisfy. So in conclusion, here's Mary's Christmas message for us this Christmas morning. God acts for his people when we do not and never have deserved it because he keeps his promises. Merry Christmas, friends. Let me close this in prayer. Lord, would you... Bring that home to our hearts. Lord, to those of us who are awake to you this morning, I pray this is just another moment in a day of celebration to celebrate your birth and to remember you will come again to keep your promises. For the hearts that have grown apathetic towards you, Lord, I I just pray uh, that you would remind us of these truths of your promise keeping. And Lord, to the heart that has never known you, I pray that you would make that heart alive to you and that they would not put their hope in anything else today but in you, the merciful and promise-keeping God. Thank you for Mary and her song. Lord, it's one of the most beautiful Christmas carols that we we will never sing, hardly, Lord, in uh, our modern time. But Lord, we thank you that you... um, Lord, you put these words in the heart of this teenage girl to to shepherd us to you this morning. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.